0: the adventure jogger a podcast about trail and ultra running Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. It's been called the greatest ultra in the world, an ultra marathon that takes you through three countries you surround, Mount Blanc, it's UTMB. Each year, hundreds of runners from all over the world, Toe the line to try themselves against the mountain, against the course, and against uh, the best runners in the world. Even folks from the Beast Coast made it out uh, to UTMB, including the Beast Coast's first or second favorite German, depending on the <laughs> week. And he is my guest on this episode of the Adventure Jogger, Martin Schnee Kluth. Welcome, sir. First time on the Adventure Jogger. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, where are you right now? Are you are you the Beast Coast's first or second favorite German? Have you and Olaf Wasternack passed the trophy between yourselves?
1: Well, I'm going to take it right now since he's not
0: online. <laughs> <laughs> You've had, by the way, one hell of a summer. You've had uh, rather packed with races. You did some pacing um, out of Badwater. Before we get into UTMB and just kind of kind of let us live vicariously through you uh on that incredible course talk about kind of your your summer plans and and how utmb sure. was not was not one it was not the only race you had this summer well,
1: correct it was actually more of an afterthought um as i'm sure lots of people experienced. you know with the pandemic it shifted our racing schedule so yeah. I initially was planning to do the Triple Crown of 200s last year, mm-hmm. and obviously I rolled all of that over. And as a result of that rollover, and having lost out in the UTMB lottery twice, it ended up, you know, pulling my name this year as well. So now I had UTMB sandwiched within Triple Crown of 200s. So because it is UTMB, my goal was to still attempt it, but yeah. um, obviously I had no idea what the outcome would be, considering. I would be running a 200 before and a couple of 200s after that. Yeah.
0: That has to be the worst year ever to get picked for UTMB is like, because you got to be thinking, you're trying the triple crown of 200s, which is no easy task. And when when the UTMB lottery is going down, you must have been like, please, please, please don't pick me. I was.
1: I was. I was actually (laughs) hoping I would just get the automatic entry in 22 because there was so many rollovers. So, like, surely – you know, I don't really get that lucky in lotteries. It usually takes quite a few years. Yeah. Surely, I I won't be drawn until 22. But of course, that did not happen. So, it ended up being added to my already kind of packed summer schedule.
0: So, you had all these races. You had the, the Triple Crown of 200s. Now, of course, with Tahoe 200 not happening, the Triple right. Crown's not happening. What was your right. first race of the summer?
1: So I, um, well, I really started, you know, I'll try to rewind a little bit. So I tried to ramp up uh, late January. I had some health issues. Mm -hmm. So I started ramping up really well, training well, consistently going through my training cycles into April, did a nice um, 100, uh, sorry, 100K, uh, the double top 100K Mm -hmm. um, that uh, Perry Sebastian puts on uh, in, in Georgia. And that went really well, and I guess I was feeling so good about myself that I felt I needed to race the following weekend as well <laughs> and did, did a local uh, state race, the Grand Vaiduda. Yeah. And on the second day of that, I hurt myself pretty badly, and I've been dealing with that ever since. Uh, I rolled the ankle mm-hmm. with a nice pop on the second mm-hmm. roll, and um, so basically that kind of put a damper on my training And in an effort to do a short ramp up with a lot longer period of uh, rest before that, I went to Idaho. And that's kind of, I think I swung by your house on the way to Idaho. Uh, That was a rather long road trip. So that was my, really my only prep race for the Triple Crown, that 100K there. Didn't go as well, rolled my ankle again, kind of limped into the finish, but I finished. And um, so really... The first goal race of the summer was the Bigfoot 200, mm-hmm. and honestly, I was trying. All I was trying to do there is get to the starting line as healthy as possible. Yeah. Um, I figured, you know, I could train during the first hundred miles and then be ready for the final hundred miles, yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> since I didn't really get quite the mileage I was hoping for, uh, it didn't turn out that way. Um, it was a pretty hot day, un- unseasonably hot for that area. Mm-hmm and um, my feet took quite a beating after 30 miles i was dealing with some um serious hot spots and blisters and i made it another 35 miles and to be honest with you i kind of decided at that point you know this was the next morning now that i still had two more 200 miles to go i had utmb just 10 days later um feet were destroyed and i basically pulled the plug at 65 and that was hard because it essentially ended my attempt at the Triple Crown in the first race.
0: Right. Basically to 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 get into the Triple Crown, you have to basically hand Candace what would be the equivalent <laughs> yeah, let's not, let's of a not 96 <laughs> Chevy Cavalier. Like it's yeah. not cheap.
1: You're you're you're, you're it you're... cost me more than my first car.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't you don't get a refund if you can't do it, right? Mm
1: no no you definitely don't get refunds
0: so Um, when your wife saw those charges you were like oh she (laughs) no that's my
1: racing credit card she does not get to see those charges (laughs) she does not know that card exists unless she's listening to this podcast hey
0: everybody martin's got a racing credit card his wife never sees the bills that's great.
1: That's that's how I get all the points. That's how I can afford to fly. <laughs> that's what it
0: is. Yeah, you basically Candace gave you all those points so you could fly out to then UTMB. I did see that's you right. out at Western States. Uh, you were yes. you were crewing and pacing at Western States this year. Yes, I was. How 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 far did you end up pacing? martin oh
1: i didn't pace much i only paced a very short section um leading into forest hill i believe that's a small section because um but i was crewing basically the entire way i was crew chief for a friend of mine
0: when i saw you and i hope this doesn't doesn't reflect poorly on you you had had a couple when i saw you at forest hill
1: uh no i was looking to have a couple that didn't pan out (laughs) okay
0: because you you yeah you had a a big case full of uh full of beer fancy beer i did yes i bring that up because this is a true story martin you'd appreciate this you got to meet my buddy travis out at western states um we were crewing for our friend matt cantrell he did the shawnee hills 100 he was fifth um overall the, the, the crazy it was crazy hot no one finished i think the winner finished in 29 hours uh, wow. it was a it was it was a brutal race but so yeah. anyway when we got there it was this looped course this true story looped course and we're waiting for matt to to come to the the start finish and so we go to the check in and say hey where's where's matt cantrell oh he's still out on his first loop um he should be here in two hours so we're just kind of waiting getting things ready and time passes time passes time passes all of a sudden we're looking at 15 hours into the race he's not there and we're like thinking 15 hours it's the first lap is 50k he's done oh, wow. right so he's got to be really hurting he's got to be done walking in or something so travis and i decide to roll into town and go to a gas station and pick up some beers. So, <laughs> so, so we, we get a 30 case of Pabst Blue Ribbon, the suitcase. Oh,
1: the good stuff.
0: The good stuff. The real good stuff. Pabst Blue Ribbon. We go back to the start finish line. And we're like, you know what? We're just going to kind of hang around. We'll cheer some people on and we'll drink some beers. I probably had four in this span. Travis had about 8 or 9 at this point and so he's just he's just crushing crushing beers. And so we find out later on, oh my god, they missed him coming through the start finish. He's he's at mile 55 right now and it's time oh, to pick up pacers. So <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Travis paced 10 miles after crushing 13 beers. Damn. So I want to be him when I grow up. I think we all want to be him. That's, that's a true story, everybody. I didn't know if you were quite, you know, because it would have been more epic had you crushed 13 beers and paste at Western States and it would have yeah, been Yeah, no, Hills. I was not that foolish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of beer, when you stopped by the house earlier this summer, I gave you a six-pack of uh, New Glarus Spotted Cow
1: yeah that didn't survive very long did was it good because i wanted to get it your was delicious okay. it was great absolutely that's yeah, fantastic
0: because you're kind of you're kind of my my beer go-to yeah being oh, here from it the was fantastic beer.
1: yeah okay. yeah yeah.
0: okay good stuff all right back to to utmb um everybody friend request travis Esterby if you want to be friends with uh um, <laughs> with the epic 13 pabst blue ribbons crushed 10 miles paste all right so utmb you've got some issues you had to pull the plug candace put on a new wing of her house based on all the money you <laughs> gave her and you didn't get to race any of those but you now yeah. head over to utmb this is not your first utmb is it martin no okay you've done no. it does it two times before
1: yes i finished it twice
0: okay and so you go back this time and this time is after the controversy this is after iron man bought into utmb and all of that so you really had a you, you're in a good spot to compare the, the two experiences. What is it about UTMB that makes it so special, Martin?
1: Um, first of all, location, right? I mean, that's the very first thing. Mm-hmm. So depending on where you're coming in from, traveling, you know, obviously assuming you don't live in Chamonix or in right. the Valley. Right. Um, you Let's say you come in from Geneva. It's really two ways to come into the Valley. So, regardless you come in the first thing you see before you get to the valley is mont blanc yeah and the funny story first time i ran the race six years ago (laughs) i'm driving you know we picked my wife and i my wife was crewing me the first time as well and uh, we pick up the rental we drive she's kind of dozing off you know it's jet lagged you know traveled all day all night and i'm like oh my god look at that big white mountain i wonder what that is and she goes well it's the only white mountain (laughs) and it's called mont blanc dummy so i was like oh wait that makes sense (laughs) that makes sense so anyway yeah that was me being like oh i'm looking at mont blanc i don't even know it right um anyway so it's it's you know you drive into chamonix and of course it's race week whenever i get there yeah so it's it's buzzing right you can't find parking um it's just a madhouse and um so you you're in this village that is everything you imagine an alpine village to be. Yeah, um, it's it's small. You know, walking shopping streets, no car traffic. Um, of course, there's lots of spandex race week. You know, it's Europe. You know, the <laughs> Europeans, me excluded, love their spandex. Um, but it's either runners, you know, people going off for a run, coming back from a run, drinking beers, drinking coffee, um, and just an amazing atmosphere, right? I mean, you have about 10,000 racers yeah. descending descending on this village for the week. And uh, between, I believe it's seven races from 5K right. all the way to uh, 300-something K. mm mm-hmm. And so that's the first thing, the atmosphere at the base of this majestic mountain that you basically see morning, day and night. It's always there. No matter yeah. where you are in town, you look up, you see it. It's just spectacular. The prominence of that mountain is just that great from that spot. And um, so that's the first thing. Um, the second biggest thing is also related to the people. It's I, I've never ever experienced a community and we're not just talking about this one village we're talking about villages through three countries that lay around at at the base of this massive mountain that are just so supportive of this event and just rally around it uh, day and night for two days straight um it's it's amazing um Anyone from the front of the pack to the back of the pack receives the same special kind of treatment, the same support. Um, you've got these ninety-year-old men sitting on the side of the road, sharing water and 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 you know fruit, and just these random aid stations that aren't really aid stations. You've got, of course, the rowdy crowds from ten PM to two AM, just you know screaming at the top of the lungs, sitting outside the bars and cafes <laughs> in the different villages and. So people have asked me that before, what's different between UTMB versus racist in general in the U.S.? And it's just the, the only thing I can compare it to from having watched it on TV is the Tour de France. It is really, it is that intense. Um, I did a race video. I think I stopped recording after five minutes from the start this year. Yeah. Just to show people like what it is like to, you know, leave the start line and make your way through town for about five kilometers, about three miles. And they are 10 to 20 deep along this walkway, cheering and screaming and just, you know, just driving people on. And that's why you see these insane paces early on in a hundred mile race where people are on all out sprint from the start because it's just the atmosphere is just, it's just electric. I don't know how else to describe it.
0: That's really incredible because, you know, some races, I mean, there's, there's big races here that that the towns that you come into really support the race and it becomes a big thing. And there's other races around where nobody has any idea what's going on.
1: Exactly. Totally, totally different. And again, I love both, right? I mean, I've been to races, you didn't even know, you as a runner didn't even know where the race was because it was so low key that you're like, where's the start line? Oh, this, this is that chalk line at the bottom there, right? <laughs> you see, you look on the ground and there's about 50 people around you and that's it. Right. Um, it's the complete opposite of that. And I love that too. You know, that's low key events and there's these big ones. And uh, I think the only race that comes, Anywhere close to that is Western states here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Hard Rock is spectacular, and it's it's also a very but it's just smaller scale. I mean, you've right. got twenty five hundred runners towing the line for UTMB, and uh, versus you know three hundred um, in the U.S. at the at the more famous events, uh, just purely because of permitting. Right, uh, you don't have that there.
0: Um, the big change this year, and everybody was up in arms about it, was Iron Man buying into UTMB. Right, right. Um, right. You've you've done it twice before. Before Iron right. Man got their tattooed yes. co- uh, claws on, right. on UTMB. Did you notice any any difference this year?
1: Honestly, no. And um, I've had conversations with media people that are a bit closer to the whole business side of things than I am. Yeah. Um, while I was there, to be honest with you, uh, I didn't see any different from a, from a runner's perspective. I personally, I'm not a big fan of, you know, I was never a big fan of Ironman, just the the triathlon side yeah. of things and how, you know, commercialized it was. Yeah. Um, but I think they're more interested in making this, you know, growing this, right? So rather than mess with what UTMB is, I think they're more there to figure out ways to um, make this a m- even more global event. Now, you can agree with it or not, I'm not a big fan of these new series, you know, where it's either a buy UTMB event or whatever it may be, where right. you now have to essentially, quite frankly, you either run another UTMB-sponsored event. Yeah. You know, let's call it sponsored, not, not a qualifier, but a sponsored event. Yeah. Um, to get extra tickets in the lottery. That's what it looks like moving forward. There's no more, you know, the only reason I've run it three times is because I lost in the lottery twice. Yeah. And then I got the guaranteed entry in my third try. Yeah. That's, that's done and over with. So um, I don't know if that's the Ironman input there or not, um, but I do, I'm pretty sure they are going to be heavily involved in adding races on a global scale. And basically, you know... Um, increasing the number of races that utmb owns or sponsors yeah um which will then be gateways to the what they call world cup not world cup i can't even remember i'm i have to be honest i read the five pages of the new rules and how to qualify and all those things and it's very confusing
0: so basically just saying is there's good it's going to get harder and harder to get into much like western states have over the years
1: yes but at western states you don't get preferential treatment for running a, a certain event and um, here it feels very much like you have to run an event that is actually financed owned or otherwise associated with utmb to get more than one ticket in the lottery mm-hmm. there is no you're not building tickets like you do in western states you know you reapply every year if you run qualifiers that only gives you one ticket Now, if you run an event that is by UTMB, you can get up to six six stones, and you can then trade in these running stones for six tickets to put in the lottery. So you you think about that, and suddenly somebody has 10 tickets because they decided to travel wherever to run, you know, to buy UTMB events. Now they got 10 tickets in the lottery, and you just ran your qualifiers, you know, these events that get UTMB points. Right. but that only gets you one ticket. So no matter how many points you have.
0: Is this going to change the makeup of I think the so. race?
1: I think so. I think it'll uh, change the makeup of who's participating. Now, will we be able to see that? Um, it, you know, it, it doesn't mean one country gets uh, preferential treatment of another. I'm not sure. When they... Initially, you know, this is already the second change in two years to the to the qualifying process. Yeah. And initially I had called out the fact that, you know, you would bypass the lottery if you did a Buy UTMB event. Well, a lot of those Buy UTMB events at the time happened to be in Asia. Right. So I was I was very convinced that moving forward it would be a much larger Asian contingent at the starting line versus others. Um, because obviously they have easier access to those races right. in Asia. Um, that's changed now, but I do think um, not everyone has the financial means to do more than one of those events a, a, in a lifetime, let alone in a year. So if you're now making people run an event just to qualify for UTMB and they have to travel around the world just to do that, it becomes way more challenging. And again, I think it, it kind of, you know, it, it Changes the demographic a little bit more, I'd say, to an older crowd, a more affluent yes. crowd, I guess, is it's the best way I can put this, and uh, definitely doesn't necessarily make it more inclusive.
0: Well, that was my worry when I saw that Ironman was getting involved, because let's just be honest, Ironman's a rich man's sport. Yeah, It's not yeah. cheap. It's not cheap to enter. Right. It's not The right. gear is not cheap. If you want to be competitive, it's very expensive. And so yeah. it sounds like with these requirements, if you want to get in, having to spend all that money to go travel to a race that's a UTMB race to give you a better chance to get in, it'll change the makeup. Because for so many people especially yeah. just everyday runners. That's one of the things I love about running is it's just so damn cheap. You buy a pair of shoes, yeah. you get a pair of shorts on Amazon, you can go oh, yeah.
1: do great. You can make it as cheap or as expensive as you want.
0: Exactly. If you want to wear all Solomon spandex, it's going to be pretty darn expensive, but you can get by <laughs> yeah. on, on, on stuff you find at TJ Max. But my, right. my worry is now that that does take it out of the reach of a lot of people who it's a dream race. Right. And so they run right. one of their local races that gets you UTMB points and that that's yeah. their goal to get in there. And is that going to be so much harder now to get into UTMB to make the dream come true? Cause not everybody can swing, travel travel somewhere for qualifier travel to utmb it's usually you know that's the big race you save up for so it'll be interesting to see if that how that changes over the years
1: on one note i do know javelina 100 the 100k i believe Mm. is actually one of those events where you get stones yeah don't quote me on that and western states but let's be honest getting into western states takes you longer than getting into utah so i'm not sure how realistic it is to bank on getting
0: you know (laughs) if you're counting on your stones in western states that's a bad plan that's not gonna gonna play out for you now
1: they are and i'm sure that's not a secret but they are trying to find an event uh yet, yet tvd okay in north america now that could be canada that could be the u.s um Someone asked me which event I would uh, I would think would be cool for that, and I obviously, as an East Coaster, my my vote was for Cruel Jewel. We may not have the scenery there, but yeah. we certainly have the the challenge there. But you know that's the thing, and this is where it gets back to you, you know Ironman and maybe their involvement, right? Mm-hmm. An event by UTMB has to be scalable, right? right? I mean, you have to be able to support more than three hundred runners, or it just doesn't make fiscal sense for them right from a business perspective so who knows um there's only if i mean you you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out existing events that Mm. could be of interest to utmb slash ironman in north america there is only one or two right now that are capable of even increasing numbers because Mm. of you know they may not fall under those you know um permitting requirements
0: right um,
1: but um, who
0: knows? So you're well, saying Leadville is going to be see. UTMB presents Lifetime I don't think Fitness, so, Leadville? Because, so
1: Leadville would be one of those, mm-hmm. but I don't think Lifetime Fitness is interested in selling.
0: <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs>
1: right. You got to look at that, right? Because true. it would definitely be one of those things. If, and this is me just guessing. It would be they would want to purchase that event because they want full control of it, right? right. So that's what I would envision, unless mm-hmm. they just buy a steak. Who knows? But. Yeah, Leadville, Run Rabbit Run, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. if I had to think out loud, that seems to be one that is not falling necessarily under permitting requirements. I don't know for sure. Yep. Um, but there's Canada too, you know, British Columbia. Who knows? There may be something there as well.
0: They're going to surprise everybody. It's going to be Pinhoti. No one's <laughs> going to expect that. No, Todd will never let yeah, that happen. Yeah, Todd, <laughs> Todd's talking to him right now. He's got a guy with an Iron Man tattoo on his calf in his uh-huh. office. And they're talking about it right now. I know too. When people heard about Iron Man's involvement in UTMB, there were flashbacks to Lifetime Fitness's first year at Leadville, where they were like, "Shit, we got to give people water." Oh, man, yeah. you guys, we got 700 runners and we only brought two gallons of water? Oh, my God, that's not good. And, and how horrible that went. Now, of course, right. I will give Lifetime Fitness credit because it's hard to admit you 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 screwed up. It's it's yeah. not easy to go like, you know what? We got in way over our head. So bringing yeah. Ken back in and kind of listening to people and that first right. year that they owned it was a disaster. But every year past that has been you know, just ex- exactly what you expect. No one's running out of water yep. anymore. They still have aid stations open and all of that stuff. So it sounds yep. like none of that. You weren't rolling into an aid station and like, what, you're out of water. Oh,
1: no, it was the same old salami and cheese and uh, baguette at the aid station. No changes there, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the international part of it, martin, I think it's 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 awesome. you run. you're you're an American citizen. You know you're naturalized. You run with the American flag and under the American flag. It's got to be so interesting because races over here. You're hearing generally English, but there you're, you got runners from all over the world and it's got to be just an interesting dynamic that you've got people next to you that you can't communicate with.
1: Right. And so I'm, I don't know if you noticed, I'm slightly extroverted. So yeah, a little bit. I, you know, (laughs) I can have the tendency to talk and of course, you know, there's a lot of f bombs when I'm at the top of a mountain, just looking at the scenery, and I'm looking around if anyone is responding, and I'm like, okay, I guess nobody understands the word I'm saying right now, right? So you have that. I will say they also they do this cool thing where they have a sign that you know that you attach to your pack on the back that has your name and your yeah. flag. Yeah. And you can flip that over, and, and, and it actually says, don't wake me up, I'm just taking a nap, right? So yeah. this is for when you're actually taking a trail nap, you just flip that over so people leave you alone. Yeah. But if you're running behind someone, you can see their flag and their name. Yeah. So you can at least attempt to communicate with them if you think they speak your language. I think I tried about 20 times at different points of the race to talk to a Frenchman, and um, none of them spoke English <laughs> except uh, I came across one gentleman, Francois, and he and I ended up running for about almost to the finish. We, we shared about 25 miles together yeah. through the second night. Um, and he spoke English, thank goodness. But yeah, you definitely, um, there was no German on the course. Surprisingly, I did not hear any German, which is unusual. Really? I usually always pick up a couple of Germans. I didn't see any Germany flags. So I don't know. They must have been way ahead of me.
0: So, so no. Do you, when you, at UTMB, when you drop the F-bomb to see if anybody responds, do you also say like, Scheiza or something to see if you can get any no, Germans to respond? No,
1: it's, to be honest with you, I started ultra running here in the U.S., yeah, and it's kind of whatever, wherever you picked something up and started doing something, that's kind of the language you're staying in, right. so it's always English for me when I'm running. Shoot, I don't even think I could communicate in, you know, in German, well, I mean, I could, but... Not doing a trail run. I wouldn't normally speak German unless, again, I, somebody approached me and spoke German. But yeah. even uh, running through Switzerland, you know, you're in the French part of it. So even there, I'd never heard any German spoken, which is very unusual.
0: Um, by the way, I just want to point out, we got a dude named Pluckelman and a dude named Schninkluth. This is the most <laughs> German uh, running podcast. We're gonna, this is going to be huge in Germany. This is going to be really- oh, there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> Increase our German listeners with Plückelmann and Schninkluth uh, on, on the- When did you decide, by the way, that spandex was not for you? Because – your ancestry uh, would lead know. you that to, was to like spandex. never.
1: That was never. I'm not saying I may not own a couple of man or something that may be tighter <laughs> than they should be, but um I don't know. That's not normally my racing attire. Let's just put it that
0: way. <laughs> That's how American Martin is. He's embarrassed by there his moose knuckle and he doesn't want to there show anybody go. that. <laughs> so how did how the race go this year for you? With all those injuries early on and foot
1: rolling. Yeah, so obviously, so two things. So so a couple days, I think it was before UTMB, we get the message that Tau 200 is canceled because of these awful wildfires, yeah, you know? Yeah. And of course the disappointment was great because literally, obviously with Bigfoot being such a disaster for me, I was like, well, I'm going to get my redemption at the Tau 200 yeah. because who wants to have to redeem themselves running 240 miles in the hot, dry desert of Moab, right? <laughs> right? Right. So that was my thought process then, which unfortunately, you know, now I have to do yeah. it in Moab, but I got the, Again, the email two days before, and it kind of freed up my mind, to be honest with you, because at this point I was like, okay, no Tahoe, meaning I don't have to turn around 10 days after, you know, UTMB and run Tahoe. Right. Um, I DNF'd my last race. So there's absolutely zero reason for me to reserve or hold back or, or, or not crawl across that finish line because yeah. I'll have enough time to recover afterwards, no matter what. Yeah. And so, that really helped me set my mindset straight and go, okay, we're going to finish this. We're going to get our third finish here. And so, that was good. But, of course, my expectations time-wise were low. You know, initially, the goal was, you know, I I think it took me 39 hours the first time, 35 hours the second time. And really, at the beginning of the year, I would have loved to see something closer to 30. But
0: that
1: was off the table and the goal was to just finish and not you know destroy myself in the process get re-injured or whatever yeah um, there was some changes they made um, they turned the race uh, into a wave start so mm-hmm. that was new and I don't know why they thought I should be in the first wave but um, <laughs> uh, Joel Meredith uh, uh, stud auto runner from uh, the, the Nashville area yeah. and yeah. Uh, I, we always meet up uh, every time I was there, he was there. He kind of took me under his wing the first time I went over there and kind of showed me around. And so it's almost like a tradition. So he has had a, a tough go after finishing Hard Rock this year. I mean, mm. think about that the double of Hard Rock and UTMB. Yeah. Um, um, I'm hoping I'm not divulging too much, but he had spent some time in the hospital after Hard Rock. So he wanted to toe the line at UTMB and he wanted to be conservative. So he and I actually um, took off together after the start. And ran about the first 15, 20 miles together. So that was kind of awesome, you know, just kind of hanging out. Yeah. Hanging back and having a good time, enjoying the weather. Um, And we ended up losing touch with each other on the second climb. But anyway, so race started off great, very relaxed, no pressure. Um, We got notification an hour before the race start that the winter kit was mandatory. So I'm not sure how familiar your listeners are, but you have, obviously, you have a rather large mandatory kit you Mm -hmm. must carry with you at all times. Yeah. And they check that. And then there is a extreme heat kit and an extreme winter kit that is basically supplementing that mandatory base kit. Mm -hmm. And for the second time in a row, for me at least, they required the winter kit because while it was sunny, it was extremely windy and extremely cold at the high elevations. So they required you to carry a third layer um, along with sturdy shoes, which are trail shoes, which you're wearing anyway. And, um, oh, yeah, some kind of goggle type thing. I think all they want is sunglasses that kind of the Chronomatic, whatever it's called. Um, I don't know. So you had to carry that as well. And so they texted runners an hour before, and I did not receive that text. So, luckily there was a couple of americans i was in touch with they had messaged me and asked if i received the message as well so got all that kit loaded up in the pack and um went on our way and again just like every year the start is i mean it just gives you goosebumps i don't know how else to describe it yeah. you know i'm not a very touchy-feely kind of guy but no, if you don't get goose <laughs> if you don't get goosebumps at that race race start running or spectating then there's something wrong with you yeah um so we took off uh, weather was nice um kind of you kind of running it since it was my third time it was joel's fifth time running it mm-hmm. So, we, you know, he remembered things even better than I did. And so we just kind of talked, okay, what's coming up next? And about 10 miles, 15 miles, and you try, you start pulling out your trekking poles, which, by the way, after that, <laughs> they don't go back in your pack until the final descent. Right. I mean, you use them all day. Um, and so the race, not to go eight station by eight station or checkpoint by checkpoint, but essentially you're climbing five peaks, uh, sorry, 10
0: peaks. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and so that's how i broke it down you know just okay you know how many peaks have i done how many peaks do i have left and where's the next checkpoint and just kind of just like you would here you know just checkpoint to checkpoint and (laughs) it went well um i had my wife crewing me again this time she chose to drive with our rental car yeah Uh, six years ago she Used the shuttles, and I think she was more exhausted than me crewing me and than me running because just chasing the shuttles and catching shuttles, finding shuttles, it was just an absolute disaster. So, rental car, little yeah. tip for anyone that uh, intends to run UTMB in the future: if you have crew, uh, make sure they have a rental car. It'll make your life a lot easier. Get
0: a nice little Peugeot or something you can't get here in Is the it? states. Oh
1: yeah, it was a tiny car. What did we have? I can't even remember. It was small. Was they it don't a, even make them this small here.
0: Was it like it was probably like a Dacia Sandeo or like a some sort of uh, uh, oh, it, a Renault? Actually, it
1: was a was it a Renault? What was it? No, no, it wasn't Renault. It wasn't French. It was oh my gosh, it wasn't a Honda either. It was something Swedish. I don't even remember. It was something weird, something really small, but um, it worked. It was a small, you know, they called it an SUV, but it would qualify <laughs> as a smart car here, I think. Right, so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I saw her only four times. So it, was that's a Skoda. The thing. it was a Skoda, wasn't it? That's what it was. Yes. That's yeah. what it okay. was. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly right. Um, yeah. So you really just get one drop back in this race, which yeah. is at mile 49. Um, which is interesting. If you think about it, you're out there for two nights and a full day, you know, at least. Yeah. Um, and then if you have crew, you can see them up to five times i ended up uh, letting my wife uh, not making her meet me the last time and just let her go back to chamonix and get a good night's sleep before i would roll in finish in the morning um but yeah that that so that was great just seeing her it really wasn't about you know any supplies that i needed i was literally living off of uh, cheese baguette cakes cookies and (laughs) coca-cola
0: how are you not bound up with all that cheese and ultra running Well,
1: especially me being vegan, right? I don't eat cheese. That's right. So, yeah. Oh, crap. Yeah. So, on race day, I kind of learned pretty soon after turning vegan four years ago that when I'm racing in Europe, I can't really afford to be asking around, is this vegan or is this <laughs> plant-based or because to them it's all vegan if there's no beef in there it's vegan right chicken oh that's not beef that's not beef so <laughs> so that's why i gave up and i basically just go vegetarian for race weekend so
0: so so you're vegetarian for race weekend so you don't generally eat cheese though no so so how how do you treat <laughs> like like that seems like a
1: recipe they I have always a say pretty good i have a pretty good stomach okay i mean there is definitely I've never n- had issues in a race because of my stomach ever. Um, I do carry emodium with me, okay, um, because I'm more worried about the other issue with my stomach than if not, you know. Yeah. So, but that's never been an issue. I just like to plan ahead, and I <laughs> I have a, a permanent uh, what, what, what the last aid station at the, before you descend into uh, Chamonix. Yeah. There's a nice, proper bathroom there, and I always stop there before I finish. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. I always seem to time it just right. On Sunday morning, I am at that eight station with that toilet. <laughs> and uh, go in there, have another cup of Coke, and then, you know, 10K to the finish.
0: I love that. I love that. You know, you're, yep. ne- you're never supposed to eat new stuff during No, race, no, no. right? Yeah, I have no choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah that's... It's and then the drink. I ended up not carrying a lot to drink, mm-hmm. and I had to rely on the aid stations. Oh my gosh, that tasted like dishwater. overstims <laughs> is what it's called. I, you can't even buy it here. Really? And uh, yeah, and I will say I never crammed. I had no issues at all—not stomach, not you know—not muscle cramps. Um, only thing I supplemented with was um, um, S caps, right for okay. sodium yep. salt and i carried um always had spring energy gels with me which are always easy on my stomach and that was probably the only vegan food i had all weekend
0: (laughs) i've recently started trying some of those some springs but i'm not getting paid by spring to say this i'm just this is just conversation they're not getting which one is your favorite flavor um i really liked i thought the orange one was good I like the fruity okay. ones, the long haul, like lemonade. Yeah. But the Speed Nut, I was expecting that to taste awful. Anything yeah. called Cody Reed's Speed Nut is <laughs> not going to. To me, doesn't sound like it's going to taste very good. But yeah. that's really good. I was like, oh, this is surprising. Yeah.
1: I like the um, the two fruity ones, the um, the new, the awesome sauce, the green stuff, which is kind of apple and cinnamon. Yeah. And then Canterbury is my trusty, you know. That's um, sage. Kennedy's one, uh, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's really good and easy on the stomach. I can eat those all day. So they have no a different
0: issue. taste, though. The first time you have one, you're like, "This is not. A, this is not like a birthday cake gel." Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> so you supplement with that, and I'm sure you gotta you yeah. gotta bring a whole lot of those with you. Uh, what was the yes. name of the sports drink again that they only have over there? What's it called?
1: Over stems. Over yeah, over Overstim's, Yeah. Overstim, overstims, yeah i have no idea i don't know if it's french or dutch it sounds dutch for some reason i have no idea and it tastes no like clue. dishwater it tastes like dishwater i have no idea what's even in it nor do i want to know what's in it um it's a i guess it's their sports drink yeah my wife swears by their gels which come in these little toothpaste like mini travel tube type yeah. things she loves them uh, no i i tried those i still remember from six years ago i will never eat those again but the drink <laughs> you know you just swallow it uh, that's good enough and like i said it kept me fueled had no issues you know um so from that perspective i can't complain it worked i lived mostly off the eight stations
0: were you were you dropping hints like hey guys you know you may want to try to bring sword in sword or tailwind you ever talk to those guys uh I, I, yeah I, I did not i did
1: not um because to be honest with you i'm not going to say which one of those but yeah. there's one of those two that kind of tastes like that
0: to me as well oh, it tastes so. like dishwater as well yeah okay we won't go into that we don't want uh, to ruin. Listen, we don't want to ruin the opportunity for Martin to be sponsored by one of those companies. oh uh, yeah, no, that's not happening. You never know. You know, you uh, never know at no, all. No, no. I just think that's great for Overstim. Like Overstim tastes like dishwater. Um, that's, you know, that's, there you go. That's not going to be on their <laughs> on their poster. But so yeah, so the atmosphere is good. The race goes well for you. You keep it conservative. Did yeah. you ever have any any notion of going like, okay, I'm feeling pretty good. Let's push hard, or are you just kind of staying. A low throttle uh, for the whole time. So, I
1: re- we really got slow the second night, and yeah. so my quads, due to the lack of training, you know, I. I don't mind the climbing i know people are always worried about oh my god so much climb and really the climbing does not bother me at all yeah it's the de- it's the descending yeah and the descends in the alps are nothing like what you experience here except hard rock but you know shoot most of us have never experienced hard rock, right. nor have i so yeah. i just kind of equated to that having a run in that area it's you know six miles of downhill and i'm not talking about oh, this is awesome. I get to cruise downhill for yeah. six miles. It's I'm talking about, you know, you're braking the entire time, trying not to get too fast because it's so steep. Yeah, No switchbacks. And just kind of going down this. And so my quads were hurting. I'm not going to lie. Um, But that didn't start until, you know, 50, 60 miles. And so that, that was okay. That's to be expected. But it meant that I had to slow down even more on the descents, yeah. you know? And... um. Feet were a little bit of an issue, um, but no blisters at all, which was, you know, I was happy to see that. Feet held up great on the entire race. Um, but the quads were shot. So that meant slowing down. And then now I'm on my in my second night of running and I have the tendency to get the sleepies pretty bad. Yeah. And I had popped about six caffeine pills in the previous twenty-four hours, just trying to kind of, you know, pull myself awake. Yeah. And thankfully at this point i was running with the frenchman who was you know the english-speaking frenchman the one english-speaking frenchman yeah, out there right um, um who um had also issues with his quads and so we were moving really slow i mean it you know how you're in a race and you're feeling pretty good yet people are just passing yeah. you, you know, just right passing you yeah. just passing you so that started to kind of you know eat on me a little bit but Again, I you know very quickly came back to the realization that all I cared about was finishing and, and you know I had no time goals. so we continued on together, but now I would start to fall asleep on my feet um, in the mountains and um, he the guy behind me I would basically tell him I said, if I start to kind of stagger or stop, yeah. you know just kind of yell, yell my name because I'm clearly falling asleep. So yeah. he had to do that a few times and it's the weirdest feeling to you know fall asleep and because you're not really aware that you're asleep obviously you right. know there's suddenly you're having conversations that you're not really having yeah and you know you wake up and you don't know where you are and it's, it's very very surreal um that happens for me usually you know in the second night and with a race start at 5 p.m yeah. you'd already been awake you know for 12 hours possibly um uh, yeah So getting faster did not really happen for me until the last 10 miles. And um, because my French buddy, he kept getting slower and slower. And I had had a bathroom break to make. So I basically, after the last ascent, I ended up taking off and kind of pushing the pace a little bit. And probably had my best split over that section over even you know, considering my faster faster time three years ago. So felt strong the last ten miles, which is a nice experience in a hundred miler, you know. Oh yeah. And um, yeah, made my way into town for
0: the finish. What is it like? You you've seen many finish lines, Martin. Uh, yeah. compare it. What is the finish line like at UTMB? Okay.
1: So the first two times i did it i i'm trying to remember so i think it was still dark the last time i did it mm. so guess what there was one guy slow clapping <laughs> at the finish right <laughs> so not quite the utmb finish you envision after having this amazing start right the very first time i ran it i think i rolled in at 10 a.m so it was just about a couple of people getting their coffee and croissant you right know? so right. similar experience now the, the last time, this time around, it was, I don't wanna lie, eight, nine thirty, ten a.m. I'm trying to remember ten a.m. maybe yeah. ten thirty. Kind of blurry. But there was actually people out lining the streets and actually watching people finish. And so I had started running. I was running into town, you come in across this temporary bridge that they built across the highway, and I was moving I was looking over my shoulder and a Russian guy was chasing me. And I was like, oh, it's on now, buddy. I don't <laughs> care. You're not be- beating me over the last mile. And so I was not happening, Vlad. Well, trying not to get <laughs> caught over the last mile and um, made that turn onto the shopping street, if you will, into downtown Chamonix and uh, people cheering you on. And, you know, again, you know, I don't care if you're an emotional guy or not, but it's you kind of have to choke back the – tears a little bit because it does feel special i don't care if you've done it before or not it feels extremely special to run towards that finish and just you know have your name announced over loudspeakers that blare over the entire entire town not just at that finish it's 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 amazing
0: that's pretty awesome you finish you get a nice little break, get to hang around in Chamonix for, for a day or two. Did you just go home and – did you go to the, the hotel and crash for a day or were you able to actually enjoy oh, no, some time no, Oh, no,
1: no, 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 no. Uh, I, so I say no, no, no. So I, my wife was at the finish, which was awesome. Yeah. And I a friend of mine works for the media there, and so I chatted with him for a minute at the finish. Yeah. Um, managed to get a couple of photos. And then we had two friends that were still to finish. So – my wife said you know let's go back to the hotel actually i said that too i said i need to take a hot shower and i just need a 30 minute nap yeah. well that 30 minute nap turned into two hours because <laughs> you know she is looking at me and it's like yeah there's no way i'm waking him up right right now. so right. we woke up um mid-afternoon ended up going into town uh, eating a nice big burger with hash browns very oh, wow. odd combo yeah. but that's you know that's how hey. they serve it there um and then the uh um started meeting friends because um three years ago i ran 50 miles with a guy from uh, a british guy who Mm -hmm. lives in the netherlands and who has a condo in um, saint gervais which is just um one of the first stops you make along the course and he had done the tds where they had a death and the runners were basically turned around the day before utmb and so he was there and yelling my name, and then you know I hadn't seen him in three years, but we had stayed in touch, and yeah. so chatted with him. He ended up coming into town after the race, so we had beers with them. Then I had beers with another friend, and uh, ultimately ended up for more beers with another friend. So making sure that I get the full, uh, post-race experience like I normally would in the U.S.
0: With, with the death, you bring that up—the death of TDS—the race before yeah. uh, the UTMB how yeah. did how did that affect utmb and was there a, was there a more somber tone oh that
1: well that was right i mean it's it's, it's more there was a somber tone at the start for sure you know a friend of the deceased runner um, deceased runner sorry um spoke and he was running in his honor and basically you know kind of reiterating the fact that we should all be running this you know, uh, in celebration of his friend's life, rather than you know mourning his friend's yeah. life, and so that kind of set the tone. But it honestly, the only thing that kept me kind of sane for that day leading up when we got those news is mm-hmm. that it was on a different section. It wasn't on the UTMP course because, yeah. let's be honest, I mean, you know, as we get older, you kind of get closer and closer to thinking about your own mortality, right? And, uh, and when you hear someone died basically on a race during a race that takes place in the same area as yours, you kind of worry about that a little bit. But um, TDS is known to have some very technical sections, mm-hmm. and that that are not part of the UTMB course. And that's essentially what happened to him. Um, he, you know, ascended pretty fast on a on a on a, on a climb and then uh, then on a technical descent he lost control
0: um was there any thought that maybe because of that death at tds that utmb would be called for the year
1: i no i don't think that's it's too large an organization. Mm -hmm. so it's not like in the u.s where you know there's a light i mean i'm not trying to minimize this but where there's a lightning storm and they halt the race or they potentially end the race right it's a huge organization they have i mean rescue helicopters in fact during my race at one of the passes i posted a photo of it because it was so surreal Uh, the highest one of the higher points of the race a runner was being um evac by helicopter and the helicopter literally touched down picked him up and was gone all before i even made it across the pass so um it's very well organized um it is obviously extremely sad to have a runner lose his, his or her life um but again, you know, and and they said this too, you know, it's especially in Europe, you agree to taking this risk when you do this. So I think as big as this organization is, the the what I would call the liability issues, they do everything they possibly can to prevent things from that like that from happening. They have, you know, rescue crews all over the place that are springing into action right away. You have to have insurance um, for those types of instances as well mm-hmm. before you, you know, you have to show proof of interest that you're insured to participate. Uh, so in case you have to be evac that you don't have to pay for it out of your own pocket. Right. Um, but point being all the different local communities are part of this. They provide the rescue services. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying I can't see them do it, but I think what normally happens, what has happened before is that they may reroute the race, but they wouldn't cancel it because of it
0: gotcha all right so now you got to get ready for moab oh god yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah so i have a couple of training events leading into that yeah so um barclay Fall classic next weekend so oh, yeah. that should so that should be fun do you know if your buddy jeff is gonna be there he's gonna be year? there jeff will be there uh, I think I'll be camping at uh, Brian's in Brian's front yard again. So I'm, I bet that's what Jeff is doing. Oh, are you well.
0: are you bringing the uh, you bringing your 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 sprinter? No,
1: that's still on the West Coast. You know, I didn't even realize it until I talked to Brian. I was like, "Hey, can I camp in your yard?" Yeah. And then I'm like, "Wait, I don't have my van."
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff will have his camper out there, so you could just say, "Hey, Jeff, can I can I bump?" Yeah, a no, I want to bring my tent. I think I'm going to bring you my. Do you tent. sleep in a tent? Before the Barkley Fall Classic when you can be sleeping in an air-conditioned camper?
1: Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'll bring it. I've got my camping gear ready just in case. Just
0: knock on the door and look, look kind of sad. There you go. I may do that. Jeff, see. got any room in here? It's <laughs> hot outside.
1: Yeah, so that's actually that's the only, if it's raining or really hot, I'm definitely not camping in a tent.
0: All right. <laughs> knock on that door.
1: Be- yeah, so I got that and then I've got uh, little dogs backyard ultra which you know well we'll see how well that goes that's literally days before MOA, so we shall oh, see
0: nice boy you're yeah. always you're a very very busy man you have a very, yeah. very, very busy race schedule i think if you followed the rule about taking as many days off as the miles of your race you that is not you wouldn't run again until possible. you die you'd be, you'd be yeah dead that's not possible <laughs> that's just a,
1: that's a dumb rule and it's definitely not written by ultra runners i don't know what they were thinking
0: <laughs> that was awesome always a pleasure martin it's great to to chat with you even though you were just at the house a couple of uh, like a month or so ago it's nice to chat with you via zoom we should have done this when you were over at the house
1: yeah, we, we should have we should have actually, we should have done this while I was over in France next time.
0: Next time. Yeah, we'll do it next there time because you you'll do it next time. There you go. This is not your last UTMB I'm betting, Martin.
1: Um, It's not, but I'm looking at maybe the longer distance out there, the PTL, which okay. is, you know, a two to three person team. Mm hmm um lots of self-sufficiency involved there you know obviously a few more days i don't know yet there's that tour de genre which is on go- ongoing right now we've yep. got a couple of americans in there and one of your good buddies is Kyle right now
0: yeah Kyle there in there.
1: yeah yeah so i can't wait to pick his brain afterwards because i think i'm going to put in for the lottery for that one next year as well. i
0: did see that tailwind posted on their instagram like congrats like uh good luck to American runners Kyle Curtin and Joe Grant, who are running uh, uh Tour de gens and i I just looked at that and I went, you know after the Anton interview and how I talked about everybody needs a Joe Grant, yeah, my two worlds were colliding in that Instagram post <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, that's awesome, <laughs> yeah. Some special people, and I hope they both of them doing well. There, we've got a few other mid-packers running out there as well yeah. that I know. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to following along. But I think it's too early to check now. I'm going to wait a couple of days.
0: I think so. <laughs> uh, my worry is Kyle's gotten so big since that ninth place finish at Western States. I don't know that if he does well at, at TDS that he's actually going to going to uh, going to respond to my interview request. <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> like, hey Ryan, I gotta go on Trailrunner Nation first. I'll get to you in a couple oh, of weeks. Boy. No, you should have you should
1: have put that in your contract, in your crewing contract.
0: Yeah, I should have. I said those guys didn't wipe lotion all over your legs like I did. There you go. You should have done the first first rights of
1: your refusal for every podcast when we're moving forward.
0: <laughs> all right, thank you, Martin. I really do appreciate it. By the way, if you go to adventurejogger.com, there's back episodes, there's even gear on there if you want to get adventure jogger race team shirt uh martin has one you can look just like martin if you want we are 100 percent listener supported you can make a monthly pledge on our patreon page just search the adventure jogger on patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com join the community on facebook and instagram by searching the adventure jogger and subscribe to the adventure jogger wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss a single episode